This is Wednesday, August 11th, and we're continuing in our podcast called Living Free. Years ago, it was during Gary Hart's 1988 campaign that the New York Post reported on its front page in big black block letters, Gary, semicolon, I'm no womanizer. Yes, apparently this is what Gary said. But the article was nothing more than a smear campaign. And by the way, the strategy of smear campaigns is pretty simple. First, you make something up. Then you dish it to the press. And then as soon as it is in print, everybody's talking about it. That's what you say. Once it blows up, it's in the news. It's treated like the truth. Yes, this did help derail the campaign of Gary Hart. Now, the text we have before us today involves setting up a smear campaign to attack Israel. Here's the story. Numbers 22, verse 1 to 6. Then the people of Israel set out and camped in the plains of Moab, beyond the Jordan at Jericho, and Balak the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was in great dread of the people, because they were many. Moab was overcome with fear of the people of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, This horde will lick up all that is around us, as the ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was the king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to Balaam, son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the people of Ammah, to call him, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the earth, and they are dwelling opposite me. Come now, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them from the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. Now here's what happened. As Israel was approaching the land of promise, they were a force to be reckoned with. Their numbers were large, and they were on a mission from God. They were heading toward the land. The Lord promised this land to them, and as the surrounding nations saw them coming, fear arose. Balak, the man who was the king of Moab, realized that he could probably not defeat Israel. Even if he could, the casualties would be immense. So instead, he concocted a way to win without going to war. He hired a local prophet named Balaam, and gave him the task of placing a curse on Israel. Now this passage presents us with a whole lot of questions. Did Balaam have real power to curse Israel? Would what he said come true even if he opposed the people of God? What were the spiritual forces at work in the world at that time? And we also have many questions for today, similar questions. Can people that do not walk with the Lord have real spiritual power? Now, we won't be able to answer all these questions today. We're willing to be looking more closely at them in the days ahead. 
Suffice it to say that Balaam was known far and wide to be a prophet. He had gifts, and even the Jewish people came to see this. This means that, yes, the Lord bestowed some prophetic powers on this man, well, even though he was not of Israel. Here's a little aside. We will find out later that Balaam brings great hardship to Israel. Now, this is true in our world. God blesses people of various backgrounds with spiritual insight and wisdom, although we know that the things of God require the Spirit of God to reveal them to us. What we are going to find is that Balak cannot hire Balaam to say just anything he wants. Later we find that Balaam says, Even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now what this means is that while the Lord may dispense power as he chooses, no one can go beyond what the Lord provides. That is, there are limits to these powers bestowed by God, and those limits are set by God. So even today, the Lord may provide extraordinary insight to people of different backgrounds, different faiths, or even no particular faith. But he also sets limits on these insights and the use of these gifts. So yes, your unbelieving family member may be a bearer of truth, the truth of God that you need to hear. Your atheist co-worker or professor may be gifted by God to help lead you into truth. Now, of course, Balaam would like to think he has these powers in and of himself, but that's not the case. They're always given, and they always depend on the giver, and that's God. Now, we see this truth in action as the Apostle Paul quotes pagan poets during his visit to Athens. They could see an important truth that in God we live and breathe, we live and move, and have our being. Now, for us, this means that we should be willing to listen to the input of outsiders. This calls for humble and discerning hearts and ears, that we might sift the truth from the lie, but also be ready to learn from others, even those that seem to us to be far from God. We rejoice to know that God rules over all the powers and principalities of this world in which we're living. And today, we can rest in that. Let's pray. Faithful Father, we too easily shut our ears to the insights of others. Thank you that your foolishness is wiser than our wisdom. Also, we thank you that all things are ours in Christ that you alone are Lord over all and we can trust in you. So give us eyes to see you at work in the world, revealing yourself at every turn. Remind us that your ways are so much higher than our own and your thoughts than our thoughts. For we pray in your name. Amen.